got 22 veteran suicides happening every single day, when we have teen suicide on the rise, when we have school shootings and all of these atrocities going on, when we're in the midst of a, a, a global pandemic crisis that has rocked the very foundations of not only our country but the world, we need to remember that God cares about us. We're not cosmic debris. We're special. We're created in His image. We are wonderfully made no matter who we are. And He loves us so much. And he wants you to be with Him for eternity. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Today we have a special guest with us, David Reeves. He is an author, speaker, researcher, and television host. And he's checking in today from Lewisburg, Tennessee. He has a weekly television show called Creation in the 21st Century, and that airs globally on TBN, so maybe you've seen him. He also has a weekly news column on science in the Bible, and he's the author of books Wonders Without Number and 21 Verses Backed by Science. Uh, David is all over the media. You may find him on the History Channel or Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk on CBN or on Christian Radio. And not to mention, he's on social media quite a bit with uh, TikTok and YouTube. They're very familiar with him. He's had millions of views there. And on Facebook, you can find him at David Reeves Ministries, where he has more than 122,000 friends. So, uh, David, welcome to Charisma Connection, and we're happy to be your friend here, too. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> well, that was a fun introduction. You're kind of busy, aren't you? <laughs> Never a dull moment, but that's the way I like it. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, what would you say, David? I understand you have a really powerful goal in your life. What is your number one goal? You know, my number one goal, I would have to say, is to inspire and educate people that they are more than accidents, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we are made in the image of a loving God who cares about us. He cares so much about us that, I mean, he came down to earth to save us from our sins and make us a part of his family for eternity. So my my number one goal is to really reach as many people as possible with this message. Listen, science is showing design. History is showing that the Bible is true. Everything we see around us confirms there's a creator, he cares about you, and you are no accident. And that's a beautiful thing about creation science. I mean, we tend to get lost in the details, don't we? But what you said is really you know, the fact that we're not an accident, that is the ultimate purpose to creation science, I think. It is. It's often overlooked, you know, because people get into the nitty gritty of the of the science, you might say. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that has always fascinated me. I love history. I love science. I I like I like astrophysics. OK, so I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I also like something that you can grasp hold of, something that you can understand no matter what, no matter if what your education level is. And that's kind of what Paul told the Romans in uh, Romans 1. He said, all you have to do is look around you. The invisible things of God, even his eternal power, the Godhead itself, 
is revealed when we look around us at these invisible things of creation. So you can study nature, you can study the world around you, and you, what I found out is that you basically have two different ways of looking at it. You can either look at it as, wow, look at what an awesome God we have, look at what he did, or you can try to explain it away in some naturalistic, atheistic uh, origin standpoint. And when interpreted correctly, science is always pointing us back to God. Science and scripture certainly go together, don't they? Yes, they do, hand in hand. And Dr. Werner von Braun, who basically sent men to the moon, he was the head of NASA before it was an official organization, um, he was a brilliant man. And he realized this um, this sort of disparagement between the two. And he said a lot of people look at science and religion as antagonists. Uh, and if I remember his quote right, he said something like, they're not, they are sisters. While science tries to better understand the creation, religion tries to better understand the creator. And I mean, if you think about it that way, that's, that's absolutely true. They're hand in hand. One is showing us God's awesome creation. The other, Christianity, is actually showing us who God is himself. Well, that is a great quote. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I understand that for years you have investigated how the Creator left a pattern of his fingerprints across every corner of the universe. How did you get into this in the first place, David? Well, Chris, that's actually a, it's a long story, but to make a long story short, um, I was probably 16, 17 years old. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I knew that I loved history uh, and I started getting into astronomy. Uh, so now we're getting into a little bit of science here. I started using small telescopes and I became fascinated with trying to t connect cameras to the back of these telescopes and to get pictures of space. That's called astrophotography. So here I am, I'm about 17 years old, and I'm taking these primitive pictures of galaxies and nebula and planets and things like that. Just, just a hobby. But the telescopes got better, and the technology got better. And, I mean, photography with digital cameras was just booming around this time. And before long, <laughs> I took this picture of, uh, it was of the Great Orion Nebula. And many people, many of your listeners might be able to spot Orion in the night sky. It's the, the belt and the sword that most people pick out first. Well, if you go in between two of the three stars of the sword, there is a tiny, tiny speck. You can't see it with your naked eye. And it's a nebula. Now, nebula is Latin for cloud. So it's basically a cloud of gases floating around in space. And you have to use a telescope to see what it is. Well, so I swung my telescope to this site. I locked onto it. I have motorized mounts and computer software that causes it to track. And then I can take long exposure photography. And I took this picture of this tiny cloud floating in space called the Great Orion Nebula. Now, I was, um, I guess, around uh, 17, 18 years old at this point. Well, I was blown away because I had always seen these pictures in space magazines. Hubble Space Telescope takes a picture, you know. And to tell you the truth, Chris, I had always wondered, 
is this made up? Did they did they color in this picture any? Did they doctor it any? It looks too good to be true. It's it's too beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when I took the picture for myself, I sat there and my jaw hit the floor. It was just as colorful, just as big, just as beautiful as all of these pictures that I'd seen in space magazines for years. And it reminded me of a verse in Psalm 19.1. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. It says that day unto day uttereth speech and night after night shows knowledge. But then it says there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So what is the Bible telling us there? Well, I mean, King David is writing in these Psalms that the heavens are shouting out the glory of a grand designer. They're shouting out, you are no cosmic accident. They're shouting out, you're not star stuff, the result of time and chance. They're shouting out, there is an awesome designer who cares about you, uh, who wants you to be a part of his family. And, and when I connected that verse to this photo that I had taken through a telescope, I realized, why is this a hobby? Why am I keeping this to myself? Why couldn't I share this with other people as a form of ministry and talk about the grandeur of space, how much God cares about us? And it was at 17, it was 18 years old, I guess, uh, that my brother and I uh, formed a nonprofit ministry. And I began speaking in um, first in local churches, um, community events, things like that. Then it branched out. Uh, beyond the state of Tennessee, where where I'm from, and uh, eventually I started getting opportunities to go on. You know, would you come to Canada, to British Columbia, on a one-week speaking tour? Would you come over to South Africa? Would you come come to England? Would you you know? And and so it took me all around the world with a very very simple statement: the heavens declare the glory of God. Everything is pointing to God's fingerprints, his design patterns that he's left throughout the universe. Well, another thing that you say, and I I love this phrase, it's just three simple words, Bible knows best. Tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that sort of became, um, after my first book, um, which focused on astronomy, I started writing a, a second book where basically just started pouring through scriptures throughout the Bible, different Bible verses. And I realized that there are scattered verses throughout most of the Bible that point to both historical accuracy and scientific accuracy, uh, as well as, of course, prophetic accuracy and accuracy in the gospel message, but, but specifically historical and scientific accuracy. And I got to chewing this over one day as I was writing my second book, It's like, listen, if the Bible is the inspired word of God, as it claims to be, well, and it was inspired by the Father himself, uh, you know, then the Bible should know best. There's an amazing phrase that has become an iconic part of pop culture, uh, Father knows best. And it's kind of held over all of us at some point. Mm -hmm. From the television show, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And of course, that sort of aged out, but you could still ask a millennial or a Gen Z, you know, Father knows best. They're going to say, yeah, we've heard this phrase. Mm -hmm. It's because there's truth to it. 
But our Heavenly Father knows absolutely the best, and he's written it down in the inspired Word of God, what we call the Bible. All right, so the Father knows best, and so by implication, the Bible knows best. Well, as I started looking at verses uh, scattered throughout the Bible, I realized, wow, some things are so complex, and yet they're so profound we miss them all of this time. I'll give you one example. Um, Genesis 1, 1. Uh, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the Hebrew, it says, That's, that's impressive. When, Could you do that again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been to Israel a number of times. I've picked oh, up a few good. words. But, <laughs> but, um, but it, it really is a, a simple phrase. It's like, okay, this is the start of the, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. It's just saying God created everything. But wait, it's so much more than that. Because when you break down that verse, in the beginning, well, that's the origin of time itself. See, God's outside of time. He's, he doesn't need it. He created time for us to live in. So when that verse says, in the beginning, that's God creating time itself. We'll go on. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens, well, that's space, and the earth. Well, that's matter. So you've got the origin of time, space, and matter in the very first verse of the Bible. Well, wait a second. The most common atheistic theory in cosmology today is known as the Big Bang Theory, which states that the whole universe just happened by chance 14 billion years ago, uh, that atheistic theory attempts to explain where time and space might have come from, but it does nothing to tackle where the matter came from, where all of the elements of the entire universe came from. Now, I'm going to get just a little bit scientific for a couple of seconds, but I think everybody can follow this. Okay, Okay, everyone so put your seatbelts on here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the universe is made up of matter, all right? It's all of these elements and these components. And then you have all of the space surrounding the matter, all right? Well, the first law of thermodynamics, so now we've, we're going into science. The first law of thermodynamics states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed, all right? Einstein came along, and he said, well, matter is just an expression of energy, and therefore, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. It just changes shape, all right? So now, let's, let's think about what Einstein said here. It is a law of the universe that matter can't be created or destroyed through any natural means. Well, then where did all of the matter in the universe come from? There's only one explanation to that. It is a supernatural origin of the matter. In other words, in the beginning, God created it. And that's found in the first verse of the Bible. So when you realize the three basic components of the entire universe, Chris, are found in the first verse of the Bible, time, space, and matter, then you realize, my goodness, the Bible really does know best. God knew everything, and he put it down in his word for us to read. Wonderful, and it's quite a gift that we have the word of God today. 
So you've done work in the heavenlies, and now let's come back down to Earth, okay? You've been digging up dinosaur (laughs) bones out there and leading, let's see if I can say this right, paleontological tours. That's close. So uh, (laughs) you've seen evidence of dinosaurs here on Earth. Do you think they're actually mentioned in the Bible, and where do we find them? Yeah, Chris, uh, that's a good question. I've done a lot of work in the field digging up dinosaur bones and uh, giant, giant remains of these creatures. So I know that they're real. But if they're real, preserved in the fossil record, then a lot of people will say, well, then why doesn't the Bible mention them? I mean, if the Bible knows best and is inspired by God, well, then he certainly knew about these creatures. Why didn't he say anything about them? And in reality, the Bible actually mentions creatures that are probably uh, dinosaurs many times. Uh, Here's what we need to know. When our English Bibles, uh, all of the the English translations were developed, uh, the word dinosaur didn't exist. Okay, Mm. so when our original English Bibles were written, which is what all of the modern English translations are taken from, uh, they used the word dragon. It wasn't until the 1800s that the word dinosaur came about. And even then, it was used interchangeably. People would say, you know, these dinosaurs, these big dragons that we're finding are, you know, and then they would go on to describe them. So the word dragon and dinosaur. And so dinosaurs are not always fire-breathing. Correct. That's exactly right. (laughs) Dinosaurs are just large creatures Hmm. uh, that are somewhat similar to some of the lizards that we have today. Uh, Now, they were very unique in that they were magnificently large. Some of them were over 100 feet long. But now we know, okay, the Bible used the word dragon to talk about dinosaurs. Where else could we find these creatures in the Bible? Well, uh, there are several occurrences of the word behemoth. Uh, You find this behemoth mentioned in the book of Job. Now, Job is arguably one of the oldest books of the Bible. Uh, So what does God tell Job? Job was coming, going through an extremely, extraordinarily very difficult time in his life, and God thought it important to remind him, hey, look, there's, there's someone bigger in control. You know, you're in my hands. Uh, you're protected as long as you stay with me. And so God said, uh, he started mentioning all of these things. One of the things he mentioned is he said, Job, do you remember this creature called Behemoth? You know, I made him with mankind. And this creature, Behemoth, he eats grass. He has a, a lot of strength in his belly. Uh, and he moves his tail like a cedar tree. And of course, I'm paraphrasing here, but, but all of that can be found in the book of Job. And so many Bible commentators in the you know, 1700s and 1800s, they said, well, um, maybe it's an elephant because an elephant is a giant creature that has a lot of strength in his belly. He's really big, you know. Uh, and yet... The key is looking at that phrase, he moves his tail like a cedar tree. So elephants have a kind of like a fly swatter tail. They don't have much Mm -hmm. of a tail. 
But these giant long neck dinosaurs that are being found in um, Argentina and so many places around the world have a long tail, sometimes upwards of 40 feet in length. And it's been all over the news lately. They found Dreadnoughtus, a titanosaurian sauropod, which is basically a, a long necked giant dinosaur uh, in Argentina you know, over 100 feet long, and it matches the description of behemoth in the Bible. So I think our takeaway on this is, well, just because you don't understand what the Bible's talking about, just because we, up until a few hundred years ago, we said, well, you know, there is no creature alive that has a tail that swings like a cedar tree. Well, then we started to find these creatures that had tails like cedar trees. Just because we don't see something that the Bible says doesn't mean that it didn't exist in the past. The Bible always knows best. And Chris, if we have time, can we look at Leviathan as well? Yes, I was going to ask you. I remember that in the scripture. Yeah, that's that's probably, uh, uh, besides Behemoth, that's the second most popular. And Leviathan was this sea creature. Uh, the Bible describes it as being, you know, uh, so fierce that none dare stir him up. The Bible says that you can throw spears at him and it'll bounce right back. Uh, that and, and this one, the Bible does say, had uh, some sort of a fiery mechanism where he could breathe fire out of his mouth. So this was a, a fire-breathing dragon. But at that point, all of the skeptics, all of the atheists, uh, when I speak on these issues, they pipe up and they said, a fire-breathing dragon, that's the stories of legends. That's a fairy tale. They don't exist. <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a second. Um, there is a creature alive today called the bombardier beetle, and it's just a little beetle. And this beetle, when it feels attacked, when it feels threatened, it has two chemicals in its abdomen that mix together, and it starts a chain reaction with this catalyst, and it turns into scalding hot chemical spray that it can expel out of its backside, and it will Amazing. actually burn you. It's a chemical burn. <laughs> and, and where um, are these things so I can avoid them? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I have friends who have picked them up in uh, Texas. I have seen uh, variations of the species here in Tennessee. They're actually all over. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Um, but these creatures have a, a form of expelling scalding hot chemicals even today. So what if this creature called Leviathan had this ability to expel um, chemicals that could catch on fire or any number of other mechanisms? It's not beyond the realm of possibility. If the Bible said they existed, I believe they probably did. But the Bible says that they're giant, that they're dragons in the sea, that they're giant serpents in the sea, uh, so fierce that none dare stir them up. Well, if they're so big, well, then why haven't we found them? Well, uh, I just got back uh, from Kansas in September. Uh, I lead a, an annual paleontological dig. Uh, this time I had 20 to 21 people on the dig, and I taught them how to dig up the bones of giants. And listen, they're in Kansas, in the middle of nowhere in western Kansas. There's a place called the Niobrara Formation, 
and we find giant sea dragons in the middle of Kansas, <laughs> over 50 feet long, uh, with bodies like they had this armor on their bodies. Uh, they were so fierce that, trust me, you would not want to mess with them. They had hundreds of razor-like teeth that grew back into place as they broke them off. They were, I mean, a, a, a mix between a crocodile and a sea snake, and yet they were over 50 feet long. So giant creatures, just like the Bible describes, uh, probably in the same family as Leviathan. And, you know, I've personally dug up skull sections of these creatures in Kansas. We find all sorts of remains in in the U.S. and around the world, in places like Morocco and other places, where these creatures lived and they died. And I asked myself, well, why did most of them go extinct? The Bible talks about a historical event. Uh, it says that there was a great flood in the past that buried lots of creatures. It would have buried lots of creatures in underwater mud flows. It would have also buried creatures and drowned creatures that were on land as the waters rose higher. And so I believe, based on the science that we've done, that these creatures that we're digging up in the middle of Kansas were actually creatures that were buried during the early stages of the great flood that we read about in the book of Genesis. And so, long story short, everywhere we look, everywhere we look in science, whether it's in astronomy or paleontology or biology, the human body, um, or, or animals, everywhere we look, we see these fingerprints. We see these design patterns that could that could not have happened by chance. It's simply not possible that time plus chance could accomplish these things. They had to have a creator. They had to have a designer. And, you know, I believe that that designer is the God of the Bible. I think I'm going to have to look up the Titanosaur. Is that what you called it? Yes. Dreadnoughtus <laughs> the Titanosaur. Yeah. Google it. You will be amazed at this giant creature that that looks like it has a tail, like a cedar tree. And um, yeah, you, you just have to Google it. Dreadnoughtus the Titanosaur. And Chris, can, can, I, can I move back out to space for Certainly. three more minutes? Mm -hmm. Because this is, this is probably what I'm most passionate about. Um, we've talked about all of this science, but the science means nothing unless I point it back to Christ. Mm. You know, we live in a grand universe too large to fathom. Um, there's no way we could even comprehend the size and the grandeur of this cosmos. And yet, we live on this tiny little planet called Earth. It's, it's like a speck floating in space compared to everything else. And it has so many design features. It's the correct distance from the sun for heat. It is a terrestrial planet, which means that we have land to stand on. It has an abundance of water in the liquid form, which is absolutely essential for life. It has a geomagnetic field, which enables our compasses and our GPSs to work, but it also protects us from harmful radiation from the sun. It, it, we could go on for an hour on the features of the Earth that makes it special for life, 
And yet that's not what makes it so special. What makes it so special is that God cared enough about us on this tiny speck that he, he reduced himself to flesh, that he came in the form of man to this planet to live, to die, to be raised again, to, to save us from our sins, to offer us eternal life with him. Think about how much he cares for us when, when we've got 22 veteran suicides happening every single day. When we have teen suicide on the rise, when we have school shootings and all of these atrocities going on, when we're in the midst of a, a global pandemic crisis that has rocked the very foundations of not only our country but the world, we need to remember that God cares about us. We're not cosmic debris. We're special. We're created in his image. We are wonderfully made no matter who we are. And he loves us so much that he wants you to be with him for eternity. And that's what it's really all about. That's what our ministry is all about. And I think we're back to Bible knows best. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> wow, that is so powerful. Creation science is, is not just about science. It's about life, isn't it? Yes, it is about life. It is about not just life here on earth and understanding what we can, but it's about eternal life ultimately. Mm -hmm. Well, David Reeves, our time has been too short, but it's been fascinating. So I thank you for bringing your expertise to this show today. And we want to point people to your website for the abundance of resources you've got there. So what is that website? The website is davidreeves.com. That's davidreeves.com. And that will get you to all of our other resources, our free monthly magazine that we send out to 10,000 households. It'll, it'll get you on our mailing list. Uh, it, will, it will direct you to our social media as well. Just davidreeves.com, R-I-V-E-S. Excellent. And if anybody wants to go on a dinosaur field trip, they can learn about that too. <laughs> come with us. Listen, Chris, come with us. I'll teach you how to dig up dinosaur bones. <laughs> That's fun. Well, thank you so much, David Reeves, for being with us and for sharing your important ministry and uh, the fact that you have, you have studied quite a lot through your life, haven't you, uh, and, and certainly found how the Scripture informs science. So thank you so much for sharing with us today, David. Yes, thank you, Chris. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection, and I hope you'll take a moment to go to cpnshows.com. That's where our Charisma Podcast Network is housed. There you can find shows like Strang Report, Green Lines, and just an abundance of brand new shows that are on there. We have well over 100, I think around 150 at this point. So go to cpnshows.com cpnshows.com and thanks for listening today to Charisma Connection. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 